welcome to the Sports Carnage Podcast, presented by Detroit Sports Nation, featuring Paul Roshan, A.J. Riley, Ryan Griffin, and Matthew Bassett, bringing you the most arrogant takes on the planet straight to your ears. We don't promise to always be right, but we promise to act like we are. What's up, y'all? Along with Paul Roshan, Ryan Griffin, AJ Riley, I'm Matt Basson. Welcome to Sports Carnage. It's game show day in the house. We got nothing but fun lined up. Got four different games, so we're going to dive right into them. Uh, we got Start Bench Cut. This one is not exactly original, but uh, we're going to try and put our own little spin on it. Uh, we're going to have a little fun naming off players as fast as we can from cities they played for. A round of Who the Hell Are You, of course, and then one or the other. So, starting for start bench cut, fellas, I am took the names away and took a picture, so I'm just going to throw it into the chat for y'all. And I, I need to interject real quick. Oh. I'm very upset right now. Why are you upset? Jokic is not on the Denver Nuggets list. He's been there a year and a half. He's been good for like three years. Paul George we, like, is on the Clippers list, list. Next week and get to our game. No, he's not on the Clippers. You're a or, liar. No, sorry. No. Oh, that? Jesus Christ. I mean, the Thunder's still egregious, but the Clipper, he's no, yeah, been there the not even a full, complete season. Yeah, All right, pictures in the chat for Sports Carnage. Take a look at the three resumes. Oh, in the Discord or in the no, Facebook chat? No, no, no chat. Facebook chat. Sports Carnage. I Okay, All right. Well, I'm, so, I, 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 oh, oh Matt, I, 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 I no, no, appreciate you including something, but you didn't say how many games. Uh, I don't need to say how many games. At I said how many help, years. Though. At bats help. <laughs> At bats and years. One of them played for eighteen. One of them played for nineteen. One of them played for twenty. Hey, I'm <laughs> assuming you went average OBP slugging. Yes. Okay. Because and I and I actually I did it in the middle one. Yeah. Where it says B A O B and slug but no to make it easier for you guys. <clears throat> All right, Shut so up! Can, it's on are, base are, are you gonna ex- are you gonna are you explaining more? Or can I give you my answer? No, no, no. So take yeah, no, take your time because we're gonna we're gonna do this in one no, of two I ways. Don't, I don't need to take so it. we are gonna you guys are gonna pick off of these resumes, and okay. then I'm gonna give you the names of the three players, but I'm not gonna tell you which resume is which, and I want y'all to then again go and see who you think you start benched and cut. Okay. You. So, oh, we'll hard. wait until every we'll we'll wait until everyone's got their pick. Ryan, you're already. I think I know so who the, the last the, one is. The third Are one they... is super easy, like as far as like who you pick third, but like it's a hard. Are choice, they? Man. Are they? These are all. These are all DHs, correct? These are all DHs. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. So are, by far and away the most part the of their careers, because the the folks at home are only going to get the names. Yes. Are they and, and I will and I will okay. read off. No, I will read off the resumes once we, you know. Okay. Okay. Because I don't want to just say I picked the third one and then p- people listening, however few or many it may be, are like I don't know right. what the fuck he's talking about. Okay. Yeah. So the three the three options. Option one had over seventy two hundred at bats, hit three twelve. With a 418 on base percentage and a 515 slugging, and also hit 309 home runs, had a career war of 68.4 in his 18 year career. Number two had over 8,600 at bats with a 286 batting average, a 380 on base, but a 552 slugging percentage with 540 home runs, 
a career war of 55.3 in a 20-year career. And our last option, just under 8,200 at bats, hit 301, 419 on base, 555 slugging, 521 home runs, a career war of 73.8 in his 19-year career. So, so this is almost like the dating game. Yeah, like, like, three <laughs> behind. Now, so Ryan's ready. Oh, AJ, you ready? I, 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 wanna, I, I got this. I got my answer, and I think I have two of the three, but I don't. Know I think, the yeah, I think I have my answer too. All right, Ryan, tell me this first. Who are you cutting? So who I'm cutting, and it was actually a tough decision. I'm cutting number two, who has the the least war but the most home runs. Okay. I just think the other two give me a little bit more, even though from the DH, batting average for me becomes less of a concern. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the other two are just, just more well-rounded. So goodbye to 86,000 at-bats, 540 home runs, and 55 you, you more a, in 20 years. So most longevity. <laughs> okay, and so then who are you starting? Oh, did I say 86,000? Sorry, 8,600. And who I'm are you starting, starting? I'm starting Mr. Just Under 8,200 at-bats. Highest war at uh, basically 74, 521 home runs, so only 20 less than the, the person we just cut. So I got the I got the power that I was looking for, um, much higher on base percentage. And if I'm going to put together a lineup, this dude is always going to be on base. He's going to hit every three out of ten that he comes up, and he's going to give me a couple bombs too. Okay. Paul, who are you cutting? So I am cutting uh, number two. It's actually super okay. easy. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty confident that I know who all three of these okay. players are. Um, I guaranteed know the top two. Uh, number three, I'm not a hundo on. Um, you did, I guess, a good job of this, which annoys me, because you made the top two Fuck you the clear-cut two best DHs to ever play the game. To me, anyway. Um, and it's... Uh, even if you parse your criteria like it's it's so hard man i mean do you give it <sighs> well so okay so you're, we know who you're cutting who are you starting i think i gotta start number three i mean so he batting average not quite there but you played longer and kept up that level of play and you also hit 200 more home runs now that 200 home run number seems wild, right? It's like, oh, this is clear cut. If everything else is comparable, the fact that he hit 200 home runs is crazy, right? But with 200 less home runs, player one still had a very nice slugging percentage. Like, it's not like it's coming off the he bench. was a slouch. So, but no, I, I got to go number three. As the best DH of all time. All right. Well, and then AJ, we can, uh, who we can just shut cutting? the segment down because me and Paul are both right. Yeah, who am right? I cutting? Yeah, who are you cutting? Um, so I'm doing this purely based on a philosophical, like, how I would build a lineup, right? Okay. If, I, if I'm presented with two players. Um, I understand the war stat is there. Depending on how much credibility you give to the war stat, and I am, I'm kind of playing a little bit of devil's advocate on this. I'm actually cutting number one. All right. Not not enough home runs. I thought about going that way too because if I wanted a DH, yep. I mainly just want and, them to hit the ball and, out the park. And what I'm looking at here, and are you asking who I'm starting now? Yes. Now who okay. are you starting? So who I'm starting is actually going to be 
from the DH position, it, it's kind of like with two and three with their resumes, you really could probably like flip flop either one, depending on you know if they're righty or lefty. They could be like platoon players because they're almost identical in their other than their um, other than their average and on base percentage. Um, mm-hmm. But to be honest with you, no way. I'm probably starting philosophically here. I'm probably starting. I I mean it makes sense to start three, so I'm just gonna go with three because okay. two could come Ooh. off the bench. I mean, thank God because I was about to like, lose well, my no, mind. No, I mean, yeah, so... I mean philosophically, you could say. If you're constructing a lineup, this guy had more at-bats, so obviously his numbers could be a little bit lower because of those extra at-bats. We don't know what player three would have done given the additional 459 yeah. at-bats. So, or however many at-bats that is. Of, uh, so, 441. Um, I, you could argue that you could start two with the better bat coming off the bench can't, later in the game. Can't argue the, that at all. Okay. The only so, so like the argument I would have against number two and you know, because he he has more power is I'm assuming why you went with him. The only yeah. thing I would say to that is he played, you know, twenty years, nineteen years for number three, and he only has twenty more home runs, so you're only getting one more home run every year. No, yeah, I that that's true. Uh I'm also looking at, you know, this guy in the third guy being somebody that is a strategic, you know, even though you don't count on, like, your bench players. That's why I said you start three. Because still, number two okay. off the bench is still a pretty decent option, I would say. Okay. And I'm so, so, just for the audience, all three of you are starting the third man on the list who had just under 82 at-bats, a 301 average, a 55 slugging, 8200 at-bats, a 55-5 slugging, and a 521 home runs with a the highest war out of the group at 73.8 in 19 years. Paul, you said you think you know who they are. I actually want to hear guesses from all three of you on who you think these guys are. So, Paul, you're already sure. Tell me who you think the three guys are. So, the one that got cut was the easiest one in the world, and it's just a travesty that he didn't get cut from AJ. It's David Ortiz. Uh, his is obvious. Uh, he did the most damage at for a DH that really, that for his batting average, like his damage ratio to batting average ratio, he didn't even hit 300 yet. He hit a gazillion home runs, massive slugging, but he didn't offer a lot else when he wasn't pounding it outside of the park. And I think that's a big knock on him. I don't know what you're looking at, man. A 380 on base percentage is legitimate. Compared to no, I'm not saying who the other guys were looking. I, I'm not saying he was a scrub. I'm just saying so you're comparing him to the two greatest DHs to ever play baseball. Uh, AJ, can you answer me a question since you're our baseball aficionado? Do you know what the award is called for the best DH every yeah. year? Do you know what that it's award the Edgar is? Martinez the award. Ryan Griffin Award. It's oh. the Edgar Martinez Award. Do you know why it's the Edgar Martinez Award? Because he's considered... Because he's arguably yes, the arguably. best DH to ever play the game. Now, well, I think he's number two, which is why I benched Edgar Martinez, who I'm fairly confident is the first stat line that Matt gave us. And he would be number two, two, the real greatest DH of all time, Frank Thomas, who I very much believe was the third stat line that... Matt gave us. If that's and true, if I, I had two of the three. 
if I am not mistaken on David Ortiz, which that one I could, I'm less sure of, but I'm pretty sure that it's David Ortiz, to cut either of these guys for David Ortiz makes me want to claw my eyeballs out. All right, Ryan, who do you think the three guys are? So I thought the first one was uh, Jim Tomey. I thought the second one was Ortiz, and I thought the third one was Frank Thomas. Neither of them. Right, Jim Tomey, because Tomey had over 600 home runs, I believe. Um, well, then it's not him. I, I believe. I could be mistaken on that, but I'm pretty sure none of them are Jim Tomey. No, I, I, I think you're right. I think he had more than 309. I, I know for sure he had more than 309. Three, um, three D8s I knew. Victor Martinez. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue against what Paul said for the three, even though I don't think I, – I feel like you pulled some, like, random one we weren't thinking of. Those three are the three that come to mind when you think of DHs, so naturally I'm going to go with those three, kind of in the okay, order you that have, Paul – Do you have an order of, of who you think which, which is which, or are you just agreeing with Paul's? Justin Moore, no. <laughs> I, that's Morneau might actually be one of these guys on this list. I know he he might he might be number he one. He might be number one. Um, I I think I don't really have an order, man. I I I something in my guts tell me that number one uh or number three is not Frank Thomas, even though I see the case of it being Frank Thomas. Um, two eighty six for Ortiz probably makes sense 312 doesn't make sense for him so i'll just stick with paul's order okay just for the sake of argument here so without saying whether or not paul's order is correct he did get the three players correct yeah now it is edgar martinez david ortiz and frank thomas but not necessarily in the correct order right right so off of those three names Mm -hmm. give me a very quick start bench cut Oh, I'm, I'm starting uh, Ortiz with the, the culture that he brought to my team. And I'm benching Thomas, and then I'm cutting Edgar. Okay. Because I only know a little bit about him. And I like the big hurt in his uh, Viagra commercials. I, Paul? I, I, I'm appalled. At the, I, you can cut Edgar Martinez. Stop. Please, but, stop. I, I'm, I'm, I, I like Frank Thomas a little better. I, I do. I, I love the big hurt. Um, and not for his Viagra commercials, but I guess that's a bonus. Um, yeah, I'm, telling I'm you. starting him, I'm benching Edgar and I mean, Ortiz, it's not even like, to me, he's not even in the discussion of if these are my three players, which two am I playing? Like Ortiz can get on a bus, walk home. I don't care. Man, I, he's a leader, baby. Edgar Martinez. Except for when he's getting shot in the I think you overvalue Edgar Martinez based on the fact that the award is named for him. He was a great designated hitter, but... I don't know. I, 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 I think I would stick with kind of if Paul's order was correct. I think I would stick with the fact that I would cut Edgar and I would keep Ortiz on my bench, given his ability to come through in the clutch. And I okay. start Thomas. So I wholeheartedly believe that Paul Roshan cheated this shit and looked up their numbers because <laughs> he question. nailed this how shit would I do what that? do you mean how would you do that how you have a I telephone and a computer in front of you all you had to do is you search their name and you go oh shit look at that they have this many numbers that's not what i'm asking 
I, I'm very confident that I'm if going you to put the a stat line you, into Google, yell at Paul it is you. not going to spell no, out. No, but Paul, it's a lot easier to just go to Baseball Reference if you know it's DHs and look up the top three names that come to your No, but mind. you could also, if you if you believe that I, you know, from these numbers alone that I was taking the three greatest, you can go, okay, David Ortiz in Baseball Reference. Oh, look at that. There's his numbers. Two, 286, blah, 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 blah. That's him. Edgar I'm, Martinez. Oh, look, he had 312, 300 home runs. Yep, that's him. And Frank Thomas. Oh, yeah, 521 home runs, 301. Yeah, that's him. I'm kidding, by the way, Paul. I don't think you actually cheated. You nailed it perfectly, I though. I think you made it. I think you made it. And obvious. you know what? Well, with the Knowing... two. So, if with the two, I don't think Ortiz's was obvious. That one. That one was. To be I honest with you, that one was the most honestly, obvious to me. Maybe it's – see, no, I don't – That one was – That's I, great. I mean, that one was obvious to you. It was the one that wasn't obvious at all to Paul. Right. None yeah. of these so were obvious to Ryan because he doesn't watch baseball. So, so I I would have thought that Ortiz had more than 55 career war in as long as a career is Right. Had. That was the well, number that kind of made Don't forget what team he was on before Boston. He was on Minnesota where he was not very good. Well – His Boston war is probably, yeah. you know, 15 points higher. Yeah. I guess that's yeah. fair. See, that's that's really so. That's what that was the big thing that threw me off. But I don't know. So off of I, I didn't know I didn't know who else it would be. I don't I don't know enough other amazing DHs that were like a real DH, not like a not like. Pools so this was this was the career. only start bench cut that I was going to take the three best at this position. I went looking through other ones. You know, we're not going to do, uh, you know, we're not going to do I'm who's back. the greatest shooting guard, and I'm giving you MJ, Kobe, and Dwayne Wade. Like, we're not going to do that shit. We're going to take lesser position players for spots to do start bench cut in the future because it's going to be more entertaining to see what people think of things. Um, do you really? So I have a, I have a question then because I think it's very arguable. So Ryan mentioned um, Jim Thome. Tome. Do you think Ortiz is better than him? Do I think David Ortiz is better than Jim Tomey? Yes, for the clutch yes. gene. Yes, the of clutch Of what gene. he did when 100%. it mattered. That like, man take... showed the fuck up. Yeah, I... How many players... I'm asking. I have no idea. I really don't know. AJ probably knows. How many players have hit 600 home runs? Uh, uh, the, the list is 10. short. I have no idea. 12? It is, it is a short list. It's Something not, like that, right? It's not many. I have no idea. I don't know if it's 3 or 30. I have no it's, idea. It's, I'm just I, I think it's around 12. Because I know that he did, and I think that's pretty incredible. Uh, hold on, I'll so tell like, you right now. Like, how much more incredible is it than five twenty one? Like, it's obviously more in eighties, a lot more than you know, like the twenty discrepancy we have here. But it's not that's like five twenty one is like, oh, that's garbage. But six hundred. I don't, I don't is know. Like, oh my I don't God. know how many years. I don't know how many years. He played. I don't I, know how many. I don't, I don't even think it was twenty. Like twenty is a long. No, but but for, for time me, two thousand baseball. Like two thousand four, two thousand seven, and twenty thirteen. I mean, it, I mean, still the longest time you want So there is here. I'll give you one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There's nine people in the six hundred home oh, run I said club. Ten. God damn it. Um, the youngest to do it is Alex Rodriguez with six ninety six. Jim Tome hey, Rod, has six twelve. So how many? You said there's nine. Crazy. Nine, and then okay. obviously uh, the top, the top was, three. I, I actually just, I just looked up, I just looked up Jim's stats. I, they're pretty comparable. He had a much lower batting average. Than yeah. I, I shouldn't say much lower. I knew he didn't hit hit 300 for his career, but 276. Was he like 250? Oh, See, I, I think a big, I think a product of that, and I wish I could break this down to like most productive eight years or something. Um, 
which there probably is a way, but I don't know how. Because so, like he played forever, and his last while was not good. Yeah, and that's the was thing. Not good. Whereas, I mean, I mean, talking, yeah. whereas you know, Ortiz's beginning was not good. Right, and the, you, yeah, you take like, David Ortiz's a... last ten years; they're phenomenal. If if Ortiz had done in Minnesota what he was doing in Boston for those first couple of years, his WAR would have been higher than Thomas and and Edgar Martinez. Right. Yeah. If he would have continued, that is interesting because you know what I'm saying. I mean, you see that across like all sports, where these all time great players, like during their peak, they're just amazing. But then these they get these last four or five twilight years, where it just like kind of severely brings down their their career just, numbers. Like if you're looking I, up baseball reference or basketball reference or you know pro football or whatever. I mean Edgar Martinez in in Frank Thomas just had so many like insane years, like just pound not not just pounding the ball but making contact with the ball. I mean you're talking leading the league in in average in OPS but, like, but see, but so see that's where Paul like you kind of like berated me a little bit for taking I said I made my decisions specifically philosophically where I want my DH mashing the ball Edgar was so good because he was a great hitter he wasn't a power hitter so that's why I'm taking Thomas and Ortiz in that DH well, spot hold on. you can't you can't say it wasn't he a hit power 300 hitter, like I... okay do you want you he, he wasn't he wasn't. He was more than just a power hitter, I guess. No, no, he no. What do you define I mean, a power hitter as? Somebody who can a year, hit right? a home run, because no. that's pretty much anyone in the league. The numbers here that we're looking at shows that he's clearly not as great of a power hitter as the other two. But he still slugged the shit out of the ball without the home. I run understand numbers. that, but, he did, what, but what give me the guy that can run. He, that's going to run averaging into about one. eighteen home runs a year. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like. Those are Wash Miguel, which Cabrera. is not bad, but it's not you know it's not thirty plus like you're especially with Frank especially Thomas from a DH who's arguably probably not your most athletic person on the team either. So him getting on base is great, but now he's clogging up the base pass. So give me that power hitter that can that especially one like Ortiz with that clutch gene that Matt referenced to to really add a lot of teeth to my lineup. I, I'm I'm See, I, I'm very very. I, I'm I'm digging into this a little no, more too. I, like I, I'm I, a I big fan of that. OPS plus. I'm a big fan of OPS plus because it's adjusted for ballpark. And this <laughs> backs up my argument right now. Honestly, <laughs> Frank Thomas was stupid. <laughs> like he's so good. Yeah, like, that really that was. was what surprised me more than anything when I when I made this was Frank Thomas's numbers. I was like, damn, like. I knew the home runs. They're absurd. I didn't know the war. I didn't know his war well, was anywhere what? near that high. Because he was it's, playing so on extensions. For the people that are for the people that are listening, war. It's so hard for DHS to put up monster war numbers because they don't play defense. Like you don't have. You know what's? You literally don't have that side of the ball to boost. You know what's crazy about uh, Frank Thomas? He's a only a five time All Star, and they came in his first like six or seven years. Yeah. I, I do want to ask: Is seventy four a monster war number for nineteen years? I mean, yeah, for a DH. For, well, even for okay. even for, so, like no, no, for no. a DH, it Hold makes sense because he's one of let the best DHs ever. Let me put but this for like yes. an average all. I would agree with that. Like let me let me put crazy? this into perspective. Lou Whitaker, who arguably should be in the Hall of Fame, played twenty years and has a seventy four point something WAR. He was able to play defense. So Frank Thomas, Frankie's in the Hall of Fame, isn't he? 
But we're. Dude, I, think I, so. I guess I'm just. I'm just saying to be fair. So like. Seventy three is a good war. I mean, that's that's top. Frank okay, Thomas that's fine. I just wanted to know if best. it was like, because I know um, you know we talked about it. I think last week, like Bonds and Ruth, who are up there, their war is basically like even a, above a full season, like right. the one eighties and stuff. Oh yeah. So I knew this so wasn't here. that, but I was just wondering, like, where in the spectrum. Here's a, here's a name synonymous with winning in the in the modern era of baseball. Derek Jeter. Yeah. His WAR is seventy one point three. Yep. Oh, Jeter. Oh, I hate Jeter. I love Jeter. He gets so much flack so for Jeter, being so. A Rod's is one seventeen. Yeah. I I like Jeter a lot because A Rod's better. Overrated. That, that may be, but he's player. also a five time champion, a five time as an individual player, like just his own talent. Which, but he was still phenomenal. So. I guess so. Frank Thomas to me is the best DH. Thomas ever, right? is in the Hall of Fame. If you compare, by the way. if you compare that hey. WAR to other top threes of like individual positions, people that actually play the field, it doesn't seem like a big number. So that's where when he asked if it's a monster WAR, that's kind of where my well, head. What went. is but it? Not, what is it compared to DH? But it's, but it's fifty. Up? But it's fifty. Oh, it's probably like, number one. I don't know who the hell okay. would put a DH. His seventy-three point eight WAR over his career is fifty-fourth all time. Out of twenty, oh okay, so, okay, so yeah, top fifty. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Basically, like basically gotta, top fifty. It's got to be gotcha. number one among DHs. I don't know. Who well, have yeah, but that's still that's kind of a uh, unfair comparison because the DH didn't come in until 1975. So think about how that's fair. And that's only right. So like, so think size. about how and, like and only half the league. Yeah, and think about how like Hank Aaron. Well, he was in the National League, so I guess that wouldn't count. But think about maybe the longevity a longer career for Babe Ruth if there was a DH back then. Right? Because I mean Here's a dude... good comparison. Reggie Jackson. I I thought you were saying Babe Ruth's a good no, comparison. Reggie I was Jackson. like, hold on. Re- Reggie Jackson. What are you talking about Reggie Jackson? Mr. Mr. October. Yeah. Before, Talk before about Derek Jeter took it. Yeah. But before he uh played on the Pistons. Five hundred and sixty three homers. Ninety eight hundred at bats. Reggie Jackson had that many oh, home yeah. runs? 262 batting average, a 74 war. Yep. That's a 262, good 352, to, OB, to 490 slug. That's a better comparison to Ortiz than to Thomas. Thomas hitting. Richie Jackson had that many home runs? Holy Dude, shit. Dude, he was part of the amazing A's in the like, late 70s that was just like bomb squad. Then he goes to New York and plays on a short porch in left field as uh, a switch hitter. Imagine like, how great his life was. Or in, in right New York. field. I'm sorry. He. He plays in. Then he went to the Angels and tried to kill the King Queen of England. That's what I'm saying. Like I, Reggie Jackson, he gets forgotten about a lot, but that dude could. He hit one. I'm pretty sure he's one of the few guys that cleared the roof at Tiger Stadium. He had so. Here's the thing. He also had 228 stolen bases in his career, which is that man's a five-time world champion too. Athlete. Yeah. He just didn't. He his on-base percentage number was. 356. Well, no, he he just wanted to play in the World year. Series. I bet 200 of those home runs came in those little seven-game series the Yankees How many years did he play? 21. Man, uh, enough, enough to be Mr. October. Mm-hmm. Baseball's amazing. Yep, right? <laughs> well, let's right. talk about clutch, Gene. So, I will of... say my biggest beef with Reggie Jackson is every time I try to look up Reggie Jackson with the Pistons numbers, if I type in <laughs> Reggie Jackson, <laughs> baseball right. reference is always the first website that pops right, up. Right, because so <laughs> off Damn, one of them had a you. better career. Resume alone, both Ryan and Paul started Frank Thomas. I'm oh, sorry, all three of you started Frank Thomas. Ryan and Paul cut say? David Ortiz. And Get out of here. AJ cut 
Edgar Martinez. And I'm... Off I'm, of name... I'm... Off of name alone, Ryan is the only one to really switch. He started David Ortiz, as opposed yeah, to cutting David Ortiz. the culture that he brings. So, I... It is possible I would change my mind if I seen, like, peak eight years. Like, and compared just the peak eight years. Because AJ did have a point. What Ortiz did from 04 to 13 is nothing short of ridiculous. And probably comparable or better than Thomas's numbers. And literally, oh, I you, were gonna say you, can, you can attribute... Steroid to, aided. I was like, like, God damn, AJ. Maybe not so much 04 and 07 as Boston really had, you know, some damn good teams. Mm-hmm. But 13, yeah, still, if still you take David Ortiz off of that 13 team, the Sox the Tigers are not are in the world freaking world champs. Yeah. Or very, at the very least, getting a chance to, to win that one. That's I mean, we, or Troy Hunter remembers how to fucking feel the ball. We, we should have been regardless. Yeah, but Paul, just think, going back to Detroit up 2-0 with JV taking the mound in Game 3, oh, it would have been over. How many DHs have won MVP, though? Uh, Frank Thomas has two. Yeah, but Frank Thomas was also yeah, a pretty he, dang good first baseman. No, and, and when Frank Thomas won his MVP, at least one of them, he was an all he was a first baseman. Yeah. He wasn't a DH. So that I did not yeah. know. So that's yeah. Fair. His MVPs came in his first six years. All right. So moving on to round two of start bench cut. Sixth man in the NBA. So, do you guys want the names for this or just the resumes? Uh, just give me hold Jamal on, Crawford and then I have everybody a beef else. With can... you calling this start bench cut when we're talking about a bench player? <laughs> uh, get over it. <laughs> Bench, super bench. Okay. <laughs> That's a valid point, though, Matt. Bench him so hard yeah, he starts. You didn't think about that. No, I definitely did not think about that. <laughs> so, you guys have all the time. So, we're doing six man of the year, and it's been pointed out to me that we are doing a start bench cut for a guy that comes off the bench. Sue me. Didn't think about that. Sorry, Paul. Uh, so, the three guys on this list, uh, the man that's be- that had become synonymous in the 2000, in the 2010s anyway, with sixth man of the year, Jamal Crawford, who's a three-time sixth man of the year winner. Lou Williams became Jamal Crawford after Jamal Crawford, essentially, uh, and was the 2015 sixth man of the year. And Jason Terry, who was a starter for the beginning of his career for sure, but won his championship and was, you know, made name for himself as a bench player in the last half of his career, was the 09 sixth man of the year. And he was the sixth man in the 2011 NBA champion Dallas Mavericks who took down LeBron James. And I believe Jason Terry even hit that clinching three in LeBron James's eye. He did. So Terry had a 19-year career, averaged just over 13 points, almost four assists, a little over two rebounds, shot 44% from the field, 38% from three, and had a very high win share of 102. Jamal Crawford, 19-year career, just over 14.5 points a game, just under 3.5 assists per game, just over 2 rebounds per game, 41% from the floor, 35% from 3, and a 60.6 win share. And Lou Williams... These are all super similar players. Who is... Lou Williams is still playing, has had a 15-year career so far, averaging 14.5 points a game, 3.5 assists, just over two rebounds, 42 from the field, 35 from deep, a 63.3 win share. So the difference is really between them is Jamal Crawford has won the award multiple times. Jason Terry scored a little bit less, 
but shot a little bit better. And otherwise, they are all very, very similar. So y'all are these have Terry stats as a six man or career? No, no, no these numbers. are. Cr- I just put no, career. Career. Okay. Come on, man. You think I got so that much free time in my hands? I, I, this is my. This I'm, I'm still working a job while doing I, this. <laughs> I have a. I have a large beef with this, and it's that Jason Terry. Jason Terry started almost half of his games in the NBA. That's fine. If you look up six man of the year lists, Jason Terry is on them. I get it, I, and <laughs> I get it, but like. I mean, and maybe your cutoff is 50%, and you say he meets the cutoff. Like, he's really pushing it, though. So, uh, I guess maybe because he's pushing it, that's part of the reason that I would start Jason Terry on the bench, um, if, if that makes sense. Because he did start all those games, and it's not even any of the stats Don't listed confuse here. me like that, man. So you're although, starting Jason. <laughs> yeah, I am starting Jason, although I, I will say, like, if you stretch your all-time three point shooter list out to like 30 or 40 names Jason Terry probably makes it on it and that's not something you can say for Jamal Crawford and Lou Williams and also that uh, I hate the response because it just it doesn't really point out any of the stats that you just said but none of these guys are good defenders I know Jason Terry is at least going to try on defense and with Lou Williams, I'm sure I got to worry about like a video on Twitter of him popping Molly or some shit like that. It just goes viral. <laughs> and then I got to answer for it as a general manager, and that's not something that I want to do. I know Jamal Crawford is not going to try to do anything except for score. But Jason Terry, he has that confidence that you need that both Lou Will and Jamal Crawford have. But he is a little bit of a leader as well. So if you talk about, you know, like Andre Iguodala, a guy that's not on this list, this is a guy that can lead the team together um, and, you know, control that, control like that pregame huddle if maybe your best player isn't uh, isn't quite like that yet. Jason Terry is a guy that can take that over, you know, call guys out when they need to, but he's going to give you similar production to Jamal Crawford, to Lou Williams. He's going to be a little bit of a better shooter than both of those guys, and he's at least going to try on defense, which, and we don't have the steals numbers in front of us. My guess would be Jason Terry probably has a higher per-game steals than they do because it seems like he just tries. Even if he's not very good at defense, he's at least giving you that effort, which when you're talking about a six-man and the limited minutes that they do play and that they come off the bench and just give you that ultimate spark to me that's what jason terry is going to do and then i'm going to bench jamal crawford or super bench him in this case um because this he's the best scorer out of the three and i know the points per game don't point him as a much better scorer than lou williams but like if they played one-on-one my guess would be he would just absolutely cook lou williams and if you took probably their highest scoring games he's got jamal crawford on has like so the crazy and this crazy. does he really uh, he does but jamal crawford in 2k he's listed as like point guard it's either point guard or shooting guard and so it's like point guard or shooting guard and small forward because like he is kind of that big for what the nba is now even though i don't think he ever played small forward in his life but he can because i think he's like six four six five something like that six five um, but yeah he's he's super big and the the stroke and the handles are just so so smooth and he's been a guy that um teams have consistently played in like crunch time because he he can get you that bucket uh and not that lou williams can't i just think jamal can do that at a higher level so uh, lou will's getting cut jamal's getting benched and jason's getting started all right paul so this is tough i mean this really is tough 
I like a lot of what Ryan said, but I also have beef with some of it. Um, Jason Terry really bothers me because in the beginning of his career, he started. For a, he started in, in – um, oh, my God. I thought you had his basketball reference page pulled up. I did, like – did he get drafted ago. by the Hawks? Who did he get drafted um, by? I'm curious. Oh, yeah, Atlanta. So he played in – he started in Atlanta. And he started most of the games he played there. His yeah. rookie, he <laughs> started almost lot. every game after his rookie year in Atlanta. And he started – even when he got sent to Dallas, he started most of his games his first, I don't know, five years there. He didn't become really a sixth what man are, until halfway What are you – his... he had, what, six years as a starter? He had like eight years as a starter. Seven. He, he started. Seven he started a, a good like forty-eight percent ish of his career. And in one of those like seven games played years, games he started, started fifty-seven is, of the eighty-two games. Well, it's, so it's it was still over half. Seven years though, and then he got older and was whatever. And once he hit his thirties, he became a six. That's man. not old at thirty. You like, got fools winning MVPs in their thirties. He's no LeBron. So. Does LeBron have? I struggle with that, and I also struggle with the fact that... And his best year as a player, he was... Damn, Matt, are you going to let him talk? Okay, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> Wait, no, yeah. Matt's his like, best no, year as a player, he started 11 games for the Mavericks in 08-09. And played in 74. Why is that his best year? 19.6 points per game. He had 19.7 his second year. In the okay, league, we're going we're going to split hairs in his sophomore year of the NBA versus ten years later. I, I don't yes. I don't even know which one of these. That's is where we're going. I'm just I'm just having fun. Um, so the cutting is easy. I'm cutting Jamal oh. Crawford. Um, Jamal Crawford, the Michigan man. I think offers the least. The so won it other than times. his size, but even though he has the elite size compared to Jason Terry and Lou Williams, he is. Literally skinnier than I am, and offers legitimately nothing. I'm literally shocked right now. Dropped like sixty points in an NBA game. I am so shocked right now. Why? Because, well, you'll find out when I give my answer. But at the same time, I thought that, like, and this is not a slight on your homerism, but I thought that that was going to come out a little bit, given that he spent some time. I I will say, like, I think we we found we found out a month ago. I'm not Paul didn't life. know that Jamal Crawford played at Michigan. <laughs> oh, okay. Well. But I was pretty hyped when I did find So it's not like he was Trey Burke, yeah, like, and he's like, you know what? And that was... Wasn't he, wasn't he like was, one and done yeah. and was suspended? Was one for and done. I don't know if he was suspended, but he was yes, definitely one he and barely, done. He was really sweet when he did play, though. I went back, and I looked. He was sweet when he did play. But that was 90s. I mean, that was late 90s. Um, and as we talked about my basketball real bear, era, of I just thought at some like point you would have Googled NBA so players I, who went to Michigan. I just, just missed that. Cut. I didn't care. Whatever. So Jamal Crawford has, he doesn't offer any better shooting than Lou Williams. Jason Terry is clearly the best shooter of the bunch. Jamal Crawford doesn't offer an abundance of shooting. He doesn't offer an abundance of defense. He has the least, the worst per of all of them, and that's because he's the worst passer of all of them. <coughs> the, my sixth man, what I'm looking for in a sixth man, is someone that can run my bench unit. I want a, I want a, a good floor general that can get buckets when he needs to, but that can get 
the bench players involved and create shots for players that by virtue of being on the bench probably aren't good at creating their own shots. And Jamal Crawford is definitely the worst passer of the bunch. He is not a good defender and he offers no plus in shooting to these players. So I don't need him with these three. Now, is a body of work, Jason Terry has the best argument in totality. I am benching him in favor of Lou Williams because Lou Williams has blossomed later in his career. And I think the, the player that Lou Williams became and got comfortable with at his peak is better than Jason Terry at his peak. Now, ironically, no, it's not even ironic. Well, it's, it's not ironic. It's just wild that it's like a million years into his career. I mean, Lou Williams has been in the league for a lot of seasons, so well over a decade, probably like 15 years in the NBA. And his last three years have been his best. He's become a much better distributor of the ball. He does on par. So he's never, like Ryan said, none of these guys are really going to give you a lot of defense. And I'm not worried about him popping mollies. That is something. Ah, I mean, him and Nick Young. For the I think there was already a video of that a couple that, years ago. That. That that doesn't matter to me for the sake of this discussion. I, I don't. That's something. Yeah, what nine girlfriends? But he, his player efficiency rating is easily the best, and the fact that he has blossomed into at his peak and even late in his career, what I think is better than any of these players were at their peak. Uh, that that really pushes it over the edge. And then you throw in the fact again. I'm I don't like the fact that Terry started. The first, the first half of his career, he started, like every game. All right, so you're starting Lou Williams, benching Jason Terry, and cutting Jamal Crawford. Yes. All right, AJ. Um, so I'm 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 in line with Paul on who I'm keeping. Uh, I'm just flipping their roles a little bit. Um, I thought I think that this is a very difficult decision when you look at the numbers of all three players. Uh, specifically, obviously, I'm giving the nod in the starting role to Jason Terry, given his experience as a starter and um, just well, to be completely honest starting with you, starting sixth man. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so let's say my fifth guy gets hurt, so I'm starting Jason Terry. Now, who's my next sixth man? My next sixth man's Lou Williams because. If you look at Jamal Crawford and Lou Williams' numbers, it it's a, a difficult decision, right? They, you know, very similar in points per game, very similar in assists per game, um, very similar in rebounds per game. So now I, I then go to, okay, who's going to be the most efficient when they take a shot? And just based on the percentages of what they shoot, equal, equal percentages in, in three-point field goals, and then Lou Williams obviously has a slight nod, not a significant nod, but a slight nod as far as just overall field goal percentage goes. So um, for that reason, I would put Lou on my bench. Given all the stuff that Paul said above, I think that that's a very strong option off of the bench uh, to spell Jason Terry when his old legs break down. So that's my answer. All right. I'm starting I'm starting Terry. I'm benching yeah. Crawford and I'm cutting Williams. Crawford Crawford's ability more than anyone else on this list to just go dumb for 40 points is higher than both Terry's and Lou Williams. And there's a reason the man won 6th man of the year three freaking times in the 2010s. 
Like oh, just like Lou Williams did. <laughs> no, three times. Uh, three times? No. Yes. Three times. Did he mad? Did yes. you lie to me? Did I lie to you? Yes, he did. Yes, Are you he sure? did. Trash. Sack of shit. Did he win in 10, 14, and 16, and Matt just put it on the wrong guy? Oh, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> How are you doing this? He couldn't. He couldn't have won in 10 or 14. Uh, I guess he could have. Oh, yeah, he is. Three times six, man. Matt, you're a bitch. What other numbers did you get I wrong? I don't know the years. I just know he won it three times. I mean, that's not why I picked him. I'm just mad that you got it wrong. Yep, yeah, list I looked at was cut off uh-huh. early, apparently. Because Lou Williams was one of the last two years with the Clippers. I thought he sounded familiar. Sounded like you didn't know who he was. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, t- his, I, I told you, his last few years, he's blossomed. Like, so late in his in his 30s, like, he's become better than ever. Yeah, I stick by my story. I'm taking the man that I think can drop 40 points off the bench. He can. He dropped, an easier uh, game. He dropped 50 against the Bisons. He's dropped 40 In a game that Rip had. No, I think he had 55, and I think Rip had 51. Drops 50 at Toronto in 2004 for the Bulls. 57 rebounds, two assists, two steals on 53% shooting. He dropped 50 at the Bobcats in 08, so four years later, on 54% shooting while dishing out five assists. And his highest scoring game is dropping 52 against Miami while playing for the Knicks in 07 on 67% shooting. So this, and this is where I hate your argument, and this is where Lou Williams laughs the field to me. So if you go per 36 minutes, Sweet Lou literally averages three points. Oh, he's a more steady player. No question about it. You can have Jamal Crawford on a cold night and still racking up 18 shots. And that Jason Terry, 16 points per 36. Jamal Crawford, almost 18. And Sweet Lou is an even 21 per 36. That's an odd, actually. What? 21 is an odd number. I hate you. <laughs> I fucking hate you. Paul, do you have an like a problem with odd numbers? <laughs> I know what he meant. <laughs> All right. We moving on. I see what the next one is and I love it. Uh is you have Edrin you James the at the bottom. You kind of oh, you can see it at the bottom. <laughs> sneaky bitches. So we're getting All right. names on this one too. Yeah. So Ryan you gave me the idea for running backs, but I didn't want to just do running backs. I wanted to make something fun out oh of it. Oh my god. So we got Why? Why do you have to pick a school that wasn't relevant when I watched? So we got running backs from the U. That's not true, actually. Yeah, and all three of these names you should know. Now, I ain't picking names from the 80s. So, the three candidates are the man who last year passed Barry Sanders on the all-time rushing yards list, Frank Gore, who is a five-time pro bowler. Can you send this to us? Hold on, hold on. Are we... So, we're comparing... Okay. We're not... College... Is college relevant to the No, 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 no. This is NFL. NFL. NFL, start bench cut, these three running backs. I just happened to pick all three from the same university. Without even looking, I can tell you I'm cutting Frank Gore. (laughs) So Frank Gore, five-time Pro Bowler in his so far 15-year career of over 3,500 carries for over 15,000 yards with 79 touchdowns, 468 catches for almost 4,000 yards and another 18 touchdowns. So he's been pretty damn good as a receiver. Clinton Portis. A two-time Pro Bowler and Rookie of the Year in a nine-year career. Just over 2,200 carries, just under 10,000 yards, 
75 touchdowns, another 247 catches for over 2,000 yards, and another five touchdowns. And Edgerin James, a four-time Pro Bowler, one-time All-Pro, Rookie of the Year, 11-year career, just over 3,000 carries, just over 12,200 yards, for 80 touchdowns, another 430 catches for 3,300-plus for another 11 touchdowns. So 91 touchdowns. Looking at these touches is insane. I know. So 91 total touchdowns for Edger and James. 80 total touchdowns for Clinton Portis. And I hate math. 97 touchdowns so far for Frank Gore. What? what, He's he's counting up the the receiving. 97? Yeah, 79 rushing, 18 receiving. That's why I teach history. This no, is history. No, this is math. Not that, not that math. part. I am taking Clinton Portis because to start because he was on mostly garbage um, Redskins teams, and I think at his peak he was the best. And I think that's best laid out in the fact of if you're only looking at the rushing touchdowns, uh, they're all pretty comparable except Clinton Portis played two less years than Edron James, and he played – six less years than uh, than Frank Gore did. But what he was able to do on the ground in those years was really like it was, was kind of unmatched. Like besides LaDainian Tomlinson during his peak, there might not have been a better running back in the game than Clinton Portis and that's how, how I remember him. And then I'm benching Edron James. Uh, he was definitely the beneficiary of having Peyton Manning as his quarterback for a lot of his career and having guys like Marvin Harrison and uh, you know Reggie Wayne, Dallas Clark, uh, to, to be a receiving threat and, and keep the defense honest, which, again, is not something that Clinton Portis ever really had um, or even kind of Frank Gore for that matter. But I think, again, at their peaks, Edron James is just like a much better player than, than what Frank Gore is, and I don't hate him as much as Paul does, but uh, he is more of just a longevity guy who's been doing it for a long, long time. It doesn't seem like he's ever gotten seriously hurt because of how many carries and yards and things that he has and like just the fact that he's still playing. Um, but give me Clinton Portis as, at his peak to start and then give me a uh, big edge off the bench and then I'm cutting Frank Gore. All right. I hate this, dude. You can't even let me hate on Frank Gore properly. <laughs> I, I Clinton Portis is obvious start. He's by far the best of these three backs. It's not even close. Like, there's no, no breaking it down. Like, the only, the only thing that if you got into a debate of like their whatever is longevity. I think Frank Gore literally probably played twice as long as Clinton Portis at this point. Um, but as far as ability and who I want on my team, I mean, it's Clinton Portis by a mile. It's not even close. Not by any metric or anything. Whether you favor touches or yards of carry or touchdowns or receiving. It doesn't matter. It's Clinton Portis all day. So he's the easy one. Um, I really hate that I have to do this. I have to cut Edgar and James because he kind of sucked, actually. Um, He was nothing special. Uh, Frank Gore, as much as I give him shit and think that he's absolutely not a Hall of Famer because, spoiler alert, he's not a Hall of Fame caliber running back, and he will only get in because he played 75 years in the NFL. Um, at a position where the average shelf plays probably three years. But, I mean, dude, he was better at everything than Edgar and James, except he didn't rack up double-digit touchdowns every year, plunging in from the one-yard line because Peyton Manning got you there. Like, Frank Gore was better between the tackles. He 
not being a receiving threat had more yards per reception. Like, he's done it forever if you do like the long shot divinity thing, which I hate. The only thing that... I mean, I, I don't know what Edgar and James has on him, other than he had a couple big yardage seasons that were super inefficient. <laughs> you love missing his had name. 500, five, what? Nothing, go ahead. How do you say his name? Edgerin. It's a, it's a soft G. No. Yes, it's like giraffe, not Gary. No. Yes. It's not allowed. <laughs> um, He touched the ball literally between, in his first two years, almost 900 times. That is so unfathomably wild. And he went, and he for, went dumb while, while touching him. Man, came out bad out of hell. 1,500-plus yards his rookie year, 1,700-plus his sophomore year. Barely over four yards a carry. We got Frank Gore coming out his rookie year hitting almost five yards a carry and then hitting oh, five and a half yards a carry his sophomore year. Like uh, This man just pounded it, and he didn't have Peyton Manning on his team. Like... It's not like San Francisco with some juggernaut in in the mid two thousands. No, definitely not. So I I mean you're you can't even compare the teams that they're on and Frank. I mean he, he had Jeff Garcia and Terrell Owens still. No, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, he did not. I hate that was I have to do this, but I, I don't think there's much of an argument. I think this one's pretty cut and dry. Start Clinton Portis, bench Frank Gore, and Edgar and James can walk home. <laughs> AJ. Um, it's crazy to me that Paul and I are in so much alignment tonight. <laughs> like, it's driving me nuts. Um, but I would have said the exact same thing. Um, yeah, start Portis. He was dynamic, man. And I just so kind of echoing everything that Paul said. <laughs> He's so good. Like, a YouTube Clint Portis, like, if you don't know who he is. Like I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little higher on I think Frank Gore than Paul is just because of, like I wouldn't even say longevity. I think the word is more like consistent reliability, which I know is probably like redundancy. But I mean, you got to give him something for me able to stay in the NFL for fifteen. That, that might change the argument a little bit. Over and, a back but, and that's ten year like, GM Frank Gore is probably the pick, but I'm thinking like three to five years. Yeah, but so I'm looking at like. I'm just looking at the numbers, and obviously his career has been longer than both of these guys. But just the, you know, I wouldn't really maybe say threat, but at least something that you have to account for out of the backfield, um, receiving the ball, I think makes him a better option than Edron James. You know, just because, I mean, I know – I know their their receiving stats are similar, um, but there's no way you cut or bench Clinton Portis for these other two. So give me Frank Gore all day on the bench with Clinton Portis starting. Clinton Portis was such a freaking stud when he came out; like he was so He's really money. Good. He and th- that this was he was at this time in Denver, the early 2000s, the end of the 90s into the early 2000s. Denver was like this running That's back who he factory for before the Redskins. Where, I was thinking, there it is. Yeah. And so, you know, you had these great running backs that were in Denver, and then they went somewhere else, and a lot of them didn't pan out. And Clinton Portis did for a while with the Redskins. But, you know. Well, it's, he had his best years with Denver. No, absolutely. Like, no, his, his, his first two, I mean, he had, you know, he look, in 20, you know, he had, his second year at Washington, you know, was a damn good year. 
I mean, his first year was pretty good too. Just you know, he missed one of the games, so there's 150 yards you can take. You could have taken on to add him close to 1,500 yards again. But I mean, you got to give something to Frank Gore, where every year of his 15 year career, Sands, you know, really three of them, he's between he's a tickled a thousand yards. yards, like every year, like clockwork. Yeah, I mean the man. He had, you know, he had that one. His sophomore year was insane, and if he kept that up, he would have like. But I mean, it's kind of impossible. Like, he was so good his second year in the league. Like, he just had a dumb, amazing. I mean, and he year. was almost at five yards a carry. You know, two years ago, Miami, at thirty-five and, and years thing, old. And give him credit, he was, he was spry, early in his career. I mean, you look at you look at his longest run every year: seventy-two yards, seventy-two yards, eighty yards, sixty-four yards. He was busting big ones. He doesn't do that anymore. Uh, he's 39 years old or however old he is. He's been playing for a long time, but uh, there are some things that he doesn't get enough credit for. Overall, I think he gets way too much credit, but he's better than Edgar and James. And no, I will not say his name correctly. <laughs> Clearly not. I refuse. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm starting Clinton Portis. It's really tough between Frank Gore and Edgar and James. I think I'm starting Edge. Or sorry, benching edge in this one. Um, trash. Just he, you can say he was trash. He was freaking money. No, like, your he, opinion. He is was trash he was him. way more electric than Frank Gore ever was. You want to say you want to you want to put the word spry How? with Frank Gore? Frank electric? Gore was not spry. <laughs> Frank Gore is a burly style runner. I don't understand how he is more electric. Nothing. What did he do that was more electric besides? not go as far every time he touched the ball and not bust the long ass runs that he did. One he has, Super Bowl. He has <laughs> he has one year, one year. And it was his rookie year that he busted a run over 50 yards. One time he busted a run over 50 yards. Frank Gore's did that half his years in the league, dude. Electric. About as electric as a broke down Tesla. You could have just said like any gas car. It's like less electric then. Yeah, why are you picking on the man who's on your side when it comes to reopening the country? Dude, I love him. <laughs> Except I'm not on board with the baby name. That's not cool. Yeah, I don't know what the hell he's thinking either. I'm not. He's wild in on that one. That's not good. All right, we got to wait for AJ to come back. Yeah. So I'm but back. just seeing like the fact. Okay, so seeing at the fact that we're already over an hour, we are not doing everything tonight. So we are we're gonna we're gonna nix the city player. We'll do that a different time. I say skip that's the dynasty. Take... Next. No hell no, we ain't skipping this one. This is this is in here. <laughs> Wait, dynasty. Get off, get off my jug. This, this is the, the last page. topic. <laughs> this is the last topic for start bench cut NBA dynasties. This is interesting. So, we've got the '90s Bulls who went to six finals, won all six, obviously, in an eight-year period. <laughs> Two three-peats. Only oh, one person was finals MVP. You. The 2000s Lakers, who in a 10-year span from 2000 to 2010, went to seven NBA finals, won five of them, had a three-peat in 01 to 02, not 22, and a repeat in 09-010. Obviously, they lost to the Pistons in 04 and lost to the Celtics in 08. Two different finals MVPs, Shaq and Kobe. 
And then you've got the Spurs of the same period as the Lakers from 99 to 2014. So a 15-year period. Went to six finals. Won five of them. One loss, seven games in 2013 to Miami. Never repeated their title. They never defended their title. Three different finals MVPs. Duncan, Parker, and Kawhi. So which dynasty are you taking for the start? Who is on the bench? And which one of these dynasties are you cutting? I mean, I'm I'm obviously oh, going to start the Bulls is the best life. You have trash. you have the most titles and the two titles that you didn't win in the nine or through your 90s run, you get asterisks for because your your best player was off pretending to be a baseball player. Stop, so that's stop. A, that's, a, that's a pretty he was there for one of those. Pretty nice uh he was there for he, one of those. He was tired, and you still get an asterisk. Away. So if I'm the GM, if I'm Jerry Krause, why do I care why people give me the asterisk? I don't. People just <laughs> no, remember. No, MJ was there for wins. one of those years. He, he was there for like 17 games of one of the years. He was there for the playoffs. Yeah, but he wasn't in basketball shape. <laughs> he oh he he God. rolled out How of his bed into a playoff game. Basketball shape in the fucking nineties. It took a while to get well, in basketball shape when you're one of the so greatest the, of all time. The the to get in his basketball shape. One of the right. linchpins of those 2000 Lakers teams said, I think today that or yesterday that the 90s was the greatest era of basketball ever, and he obviously played in in both of them. So that's that is the team that I am benching is the 2000s Lakers. You have you know you beat the Spurs a bunch of times. Granted that they beat you too, but you did go to one more finals than they did, and you were able to three peat and repeat both of which of course they never did and you have two more marketable stars than anybody that they've ever had play for them which if i'm a gm i'm an owner i'm putting the team together that obviously matters a whole bunch to me and then i'm uh i'm you know cutting the the spurs here but to me this one's easy all right paul uh it's easy for me too and i don't give a shit what you guys are gonna say about it so I'm cutting the bulls. Oh my god. That's what you say when you know you're wrong. I don't, <laughs> I don't yeah. care what you I think. I don't even. Oh my god. Needs no no explanation needed. Bulls don't need to exist in this universe or this timeline. Get the fuck out with that. Those '90s bulls um, beat either of these two franchises. That's literally irrelevant. So the and we also don't know that about, for sure. The amazing thing about these <laughs> Lakers and Spurs runs were they were dynasties at the same time they had to contend with each other and uh, the spurs won in 99 the lakers won the next three then the spurs won the year after the only year that was missing in in that huge stretch the lakers beat the spurs to get to the finals to lose to the pistons the spurs then avenged that the final year like uh, these teams were fabulous and they did it against each other in an era where there were plenty of great teams and it wasn't just a trash rigged league. Um, I'm gonna what? take. I, I a 14 shouldn't be on here because that's kind of not part of this. Stretch. No, it, it, it is part of it. Duncan's on that team. Parker's on that team. Manu's on that team. Between the, no, that's part of that. That is part. It doesn't fit his narrative. It doesn't fit his narrative. No, it's nothing. It's nothing to do with the narrative. It I does mean, though. Even nine, ten Lakers, you can argue. So it's they didn't win, but for. Eight years, seven years, whatever it was. Yeah, like, and you can use that against them if you don't want to pick them. They're for like starting. Brady and Belichick, but, but you count I, that as part of the Patriots. Ninety-nine to 07 is insane, though. And if you take if you take the stretch from ninety-nine to two thousand and ten, you have the Lakers and Spurs winning almost all the titles, 
and they're in the finals the years that they lost them. Like, it's insane. It, I'm going to go no, the, with... The Heat beat the, the Mavericks <laughs> without the Lakers or Spurs. Yeah, that's one. That's the only year that, that, that that's the outlier. I, I, I have to bench the Lakers, and I have to start the Spurs on the grounds that it's the way that they did it. God, um, you're so wrong. You go start the one that can't defend their damn title. I yeah. can't. I can't. You're gonna start a fake ass dynasty. I can't. Believe can't even defend you your title. You ain't a dynasty. The one that lost the 40 year old Ray Allen. Get out of here. Yeah. You parliament while someone else is queen and king. Wow. Well, between '99 and '07, they won more titles. So you can blow me. 99's got an asterisk, a lockout year. Oh, my God. 05, if Rashid had stayed on the man. Um, I will. I, 05 kind of does deserve an asterisk. That was the Pistons cycle. But regardless, um, no, it's the way they did it. Uh, the Lakers absolutely had more talent. I, I mean, you had Shaq and Kobe, and you lost a finals. Not cool. And that's not the only two players they had, no matter what Matt says. Well. That's not. <laughs> so they're, the only, they're the only two that did anything. You had Shaq and Kobe together, and you lost the finals. That hurt you. Yeah, because um, you had Slava Medvedenko as your only player to get 10 points in the finals the, besides as, as Shaq much, and Kobe. As much as I hated watching most of it. Carl Malone Spurs, didn't do dick, and then he was out. The way that Gary the Payton Spurs didn't do dick. won their titles, the way they built their team, the way they played basketball, it, it's something beautiful and something that I doubt will be replicated in my lifetime because basketball doesn't operate that way anymore. And it... it from Tony Parker to Manu, obviously Tim Duncan, like they were not built like David, other teams. David they, Robinson and they just <laughs> won two Leonard. of those in one. In Kawhi one. Leonard at the end Kawhi of it. Kawhi Leonard was way later. Wait, that was fourteen. David Robinson was there for ninety nine and 03. David Robinson was there for a long time, but Kawhi's like that was later. I mean, I it just mean, proves I mean, their greatness of their franchise. But I, I don't fourteen. I just don't really. That's not part of the dynasty years to me. Like, that was the end of their run, and they had Kawhi. Spurs fans will claim it all day long, so I'll yeah. <laughs> I think it's part well, of it's it. It's still a good title win. I just, With Duncan and Parker and Ginobili <laughs> and Pop. It's like, so, so, think, so it's kind of like the Wings. Like, the Wings won in 09, or 08 or 09? 09. 09. 08-09 was But that's the, not part the, of their the dynastic season. run. That was, like, a second surge later on, and they should have... They should have won two in a row. They didn't. Um, they oh, yeah, they got cheated. They, they did. They literally got cheated, yes. Literally got um, cheated. And blue just – and, and, anyway. I mean, and that's completely – you know, that's that's objective. Some people will consider it. Some people won't. But I, I think it's similar, and I, I don't think it's part of that run. But, you know, I'm, I'm starting the Spurs. I'm benching the Lakers. Both were fantastic. The fact that they did it against each other makes it all the more the better – and the Bulls, you just get that whack shit out of this fucking chapter. Yeah, they're only the best ones. So AJ? So, deciding who to cut for me looking at this is very easy, and that's the Spurs. Hey. Um, because <clears throat> I, I get where Paul's coming from, but I also default to the position of if you have three dynasties and two of them three-peated, which is a very, very difficult thing to do, repeating is hard enough. Three-peating is nearly impossible. Um, I would default to those two teams. When it comes to who to start and who to bench, 
This is where I have a little bit more difficulty because if I use the criteria I use for the cut, then obviously you start the bulls because they they three-peated twice, which is insane to me with very, very good players. My, my quandary, though, is Shaq and Kobe together might be the most dynamic duo we've seen just given how dominant Shaq could be and how like upper tier Kobe was. Um, so it would really be a toss up. I think if I were to have to bet my life on, uh, or bet like a paycheck on a team in the finals, I think I would start the bulls and I would sit the Lakers for the sole fact that they never lost in the finals. They weren't there as many times as Lakers, but they also never lost the finals. So, um, that'd be my answer. Start the Bulls, sit the Lakers, and cut the Spurs. All right, for me, cutting is easy. It's the Spurs. You couldn't defend your title. Plain and simple. You never were able to defend that title, and that, to me, is a giant con when I'm talking about the Spurs. Uh, and then when you want to look at the team, you know, there's one team. There's, sorry, well, there's two teams that both the Lakers and the Spurs faced in the finals. They are the New Jersey Nets <laughs> that took the Spurs to six games and the Lakers waxed like they were nothing in a four-game sweep. And the Detroit Pistons, where the Spurs eked out a seven-game series after Detroit was exhausted having to go to seven with frickin' Miami. Six? And I it was six. What are you talking no, about? It was seven. game seven. They were tied after three games yeah, and no, three right, quarters right. of game seven. No, you're right. Yeah, I will never forget right. that. I'm drunk. I'm drunk. It was, and but it was game obviously, six. Wasn't it game six that had the atrocious call? I don't know. The Pistons won game six. That's all I care about. Maybe it was game five. Everyone everyone thought it was no. It was all over after Robert Ory hit the game winner in game five in Detroit. And the Spurs going back home up 3-2. No one gave the Pistons a chance. And the Pistons were able to go in and win in game six. And after three quarters of game seven, the game was tied. So you are not getting any closer than six games and three quarters of game seven. And we are completely even. And it's a damn shame that nobody watched that finals. <laughs> Uh, so you can't defend your title and the two, Oh, it's the, the finals numbers for that year are horribly low. The only one, the only one worse is Cleveland versus the Spurs in 07. Nobody watched that shit because Detroit um, constantly has disrespect and nobody cares. Like the Spurs, fun brand of basketball. No, no, it's exactly both, both right. the Spurs and Pistons played a quote unquote boring style of basketball, which is a shame because it's team basketball <clears throat> in every sense of the 100%. word. Between those two teams. While the Spurs did have an MVP in Tim Duncan, you have a very willing passer MVP that is not going to give you 40 points. He's going to give you 20 and 15 rebounds and a few assists and steals and blocks. But everyone else is going to get involved. The Pistons, we all know, are the only team, you know, year in and year out winning the finals without a finals MVP. All three times they've done it, never had a finals MVP. They've had superstars. Isaiah was absolutely a superstar, but he was never an MVP. And... So when the two teams that both these teams face are very drastically different when it came to facing them, and the Lakers look much better in one uh, and worse in the other, but when it comes to that one, they absolutely obliterated the Nets. And the Lakers is not for lack of talent. It's for implosion in the locker room between their superstars more than anything else. So now it's the Lakers and the Bulls. And like you said, AJ, the the most dynamic duo in basketball history might be Shaq and Kobe. And the other argument is another Lakers set, and it might be Magic and Kareem. Right. 
while MJ is MJ, Scottie Pippen at times very good. At other times, gives up on his team. And you can call it straight homerism. But I think if if any one of those Bulls teams went up against the 0-1 Lakers, I think the 0-1 Lakers are winning that series. I don't know how the Bulls are stopping Shaq at all. Kobe's averaging 25 points a game in that, in that, uh, in that year in the playoffs. So he is coming into his own completely at that point as well. And they had role players left and right, three-point shooting left and right, Robert Ory, Derek Fisher, uh, you know, uh, actually I think Horace Grant at that point still was on that Lakers squad. So I'm taking the Lakers for start, and I'm benching MJ. Deal with it. <laughs> the Bulls Fox. are on the bench. Debbie All right, Lord. so that takes us out of start bench cut, which took – a hell of a lot longer than I thought it would, but that's a good thing. Get some good discussions out of it. So the city player mayhem that we were going to play will be for another day. Uh, Cause that's going to take a ridiculously long time. And there wasn't that much thought put into that one anyway. So I don't mind cutting it. Not if you cap it at five seconds of response, man. Uh, no, cause we're still going to, we're talking, you know, maybe if we did smaller cities for it, but not when I'm talking about Chicago, cut, LA, cut, cut, Boston, cut, cut, and New York. Cut, cut, cut. So we will play that another time, AJ. Sorry. That's fine. So now we are on to... Who in the blue hell are you? Who the hell are you? So Ryan, this six-time All-Star and Rookie of the Year has played with Stefan Marbury, Penny Hardaway, and Jalen Rose. Jason Kidd? Damn. That was, I mean, he pulled the trigger so fast. He's got very, very fast. shot at that. <laughs> we'll give him, we'll give him another one because that was within two seconds. Who are the three? I so, didn't even hear the three players. He answered before I could process. So this the is play. a six-time All-Star. No, I heard that part. The, rookie the of the year: players? Starberry, Penny, and Jalen Rose. Yeah. We'll give you another thirty seconds. Now, remember, you might have been right. Jason Kidd may have played with Stefan Penny and Jalen Rose, but I believe he's much more than a six-time All-Star. Yeah, maybe. I just know he shared Rookie of the Year. Yes. He did share Rookie of the Year with Grant Hill. I think I know who it is, but I'm not sure. Ten seconds left. Five, four, three, two, one. Is it Grant Hill? Need a guess. No. Is it Amari Stoudemire? Ah, yes. My third guess. He played with Starberry his rookie year in Phoenix, 02-03, Penny Hardaway in 03-04, and Jalen Rose finished off his career with Phoenix in 06-07. Oh, Jalen. See, that was the one. Jalen Jalen was the one that I was like, did he play with Jalen? I don't I know. know. I, I, that, you know that, that's the fun thing for me when I make these is finding out who these guys. I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't know they played together. I didn't know Amari won Rookie of the Year. Oh, that boy was a beast. You know, that man averaged 41 points a game in a five-game loss to the Spurs in the second round of the playoffs? 40. Second or first he round of the playoffs? Averaged 41. I mean, he went dumb. Averaged 41 well, points a game. that's because they're a that garbage series. dynasty and they can't contain star players. That's pretty much it. Well, no, I mean, the, his team lost. Phoenix got their ass handed to them in the series. I think it only went five games. I got a basketball, and I'm actually pretty fucking hype right now. You don't have a basketball. Got it right. Oh, you got it. Oh, sorry. You got yeah. Sorry, you got Ryan. I was like, I didn't make a basketball one for you. My male cat wasn't doing anything about it. 
All right, right, Paul. Let's go. This three-time Pro Bowler has played with Frank Gore, (laughs) Jamal Charles, and Adrian Peterson. Alex Smith? Yes, very good. If you were having trouble, I was going to give you the next hint that he was a first overall pick. But you nailed that one. I was, I was, at first, like you said three-time Pro Bowler and then went straight into the players. And I was like, wow. This right? is not a lot of it. This is all this is, this is all the hits I'm getting. <laughs> but it clicks. But you clicked. nailed it. Well done. How does he make the Pro Bowl three times? Alright, AJ. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling real good. Your player has won Rookie of the Year, MVP, a ten time All Star, and a ten time gold glover, just like yourself. And has played with Jeff Weaver, Doug Fister. And Jabba Chamberlain. Say say the first part again. I know 10-time All-Star, 10-time Gold Glove. What was before that? Rookie of the Year and MVP. Oh, shoot. <sighs> Jeff Weaver. Mm-hmm. Fister and Jabba Chamberlain. Yes, sir. My guess no is that crossover it was. was in Detroit. I don't know. Gut says Tory Hunter, but I think it's wrong. Is that your yes, guess? I guess. It is not yeah. correct. You've got 15 seconds left to get another one in. Uh, I his. Uh, I'll give you one last hint, and then I'll and then you got 10 seconds to okay. guess. Weaver and Doug Fister were on, not the same year, but were on the same team. Played for the same franchise. I wonder. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, I'm 3, stumped, man. I'm gonna 2, with Tory. 1. <laughs> is it Pujols? Is it, is it, it is Big not Pujols. It is oh. not. It is Ichiro Suzuki. Oh, fuck him. He was teammates with Jeff Weaver in tw- in 2007 on Seattle, Doug Fister in 2011 on Seattle, and Jabba Chamberlain 2013 New York Yankees. Weaver went to Seattle. Yep. What? Did, so Weaver played for the Angels. Well, don't, don't don't confuse Jeff and Jared. I did. Son of a gun. I did confuse. Because Jeff those Weaver two. was on a few teams. Yep. He was on the he Dodgers. Was on the Tigers too. <coughs> I forgot he was on the Tigers. Sorry, that yeah, my, my hint of Fister and Weaver didn't help you at all. No, and <laughs> I forgot Jeff Weaver was a Tiger. Chamberlain was a Tiger. So, well, I know I know Chamberlain was, but so I was trying to give you a hint that like, Weaver and Doug Fister were on that's the same. I was just like, and then you said not at the same year, so I was like, oh, well, then yeah. it probably is a Detroit guy. But who's won are ten you, gold gloves? Are you keeping? Are you keeping score of these, Matt? Have you been keeping score like from the beginning of the year? Maybe. <laughs> what? what? Maybe. How is that a maybe? Well, here's the good thing. Kind of... I can go back and listen and find them and get the That's and get true. the uh, overall thing. Luckily, they're all recorded, <laughs> except it's for the no first wish. one. The first oh, one is not recorded, but that doesn't count. I think it's I recorded. Like, it's I, not. I think I've gotten like it, three. It's just AJ's didn't record. So there's there's so. 
I don't care what happens from here on out tonight. I'm happy. Like I got Amari, <laughs> which I can't believe, and I, Alex Smith. I'll never get one that fast again ever. All right, Ryan. I'm, so I'm by far too. the worst in this game. <laughs> That's not. That is very true. true. I think I've gotten like a total of three. You know what? You know what it might be. Honestly, baseball I think is the hardest. Yeah, so baseball I agree. has, baseball has a combination. So a baseball is, arguably. Baseball has crazy long careers, right? Like, baseball has insanely long careers, so these players can play fucking everywhere. Plus, they have big-ass rosters, like, way bigger than the NBA. And you can say, well, yeah, the NFL has big rosters, too, but per capita, MLB has more notable players across those rosters going all over the place than the NFL Well, and you get those guys that get the one-year contracts that just bounce from team to team, so they could have played with... (laughs) I mean, look at Jabba after he left the Tigers, right? He went... Yeah, three or four different. Now, teams. some of this is mitigated. I still think this is a fair game because you are the oldest and the best historian of us. So that that should close the gap of having a harder category. Yeah, but I literally have to know this off the top of my head because there's no way to research it. That's why, like, when he gives me like the three guys, I like I identify the common tw- team between at least two of them, and then just rack my brain for the third guy. Well, that's how you got so, it. Matt, you should have told so me my just... player was Jewish. I would have got it immediately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ryan. Well, this next player is definitely not that's Jewish. Might be Jewish. <laughs> <He's>... <laughs> he is a rookie of the year, a five-time All-Star, and a five-time All-NBA player. Jesus. And throughout his career, he has played with Chris Mullen, oh, I, oh. Ben Wallace, and White Chocolate Jason Williams. White Chocolate. I love that guy. I wore 55. I, I got to clarify because, because there's like four different Jason Williams that have played in the NBA. I wore so, 55 in middle one of the, school. One of them shot him. his limo driver. Loved him. Who is the second player? Ben Wallace. Big Ben Wallace. Yeah, I thought, I thought you said Ben Wallace. I was just double checking. Is it Chris Webber? So, yes, it is. You son of a bitch. Good job. I would not have. Webber and Wallace. How did you remember he played with Ben Wallace? Because he's number eighty-four on the Pistons. Yeah. Ah, god damn it! I wasn't even thinking that he played with Ben Wallace. They were both on the Bullets. I I don't know. I don't know if he played with the Pistons actually. Because I think no, it was probably afterwards. In nineteen ninety-six, they were both on the Washington Bullets. The last year they were the Bullets. That was a great one. I'm impressed. Yeah, I'm impressed. That was good. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. Was Weber still on no, the team? Ben were were they on the team on for like team. one year in Detroit? No, Weber was already gone. No, Ben Wallace was already gone because Weber played. Well, later. no, because Ben Wallace, Wallace came back. Came oh back, shit! Though. Oh my god! But Wallace been. came back. Hold on. <laughs> I'm not I'm sure if they played when he came back roster. for that one year. But I remember his jersey number 84. Because one of my best friends yeah. in high school had it, and like when he when he when he was number 84, I was like, it's a weird ass number. And then he had yeah. the jersey, and I was like, "That's the funniest Let's thing see. I've ever seen." So, no, so he was so. in Detroit. No, oh six, oh six, oh seven. Yeah, Wallace was. Yeah, Wallace was a bull. Boo. Oh, that's nice. Chris Webber went back to where it all began to end his career. Played eight, nine games for the Golden State Warriors in 07-08. He started with the Warriors. Yeah, he got drafted by the Warriors and then traded for uh, Penny Hardaway because Shaq made them do that. <laughs> yeah, Weber was the first overall pick. And then Shaq went and uh, he did blue chips. 
the Nick Nolte movie, basketball movie, and he met Penny Hardaway. And they're playing together, practicing together, and every time Shaq needed a pass from Penny for the movie or just for fun, it was the ball was in the right spot. And Shaq was like, damn. And he called his front office and was like, I know y'all want to get Chris Webber. I love Chris Webber, but y'all got to get this kid from Memphis. You know, and, he, and like they were like, okay, okay. And they like blew him off. And Shaq was like, no, y'all don't understand. If you don't do this, I'm not renewing my contract. What a good call from Shaq. That's and so crazy. the Magic were like, okay. And then the draft happens, and Shaq had just bought, like, you know, the, whatever the biggest TV screen was back then. And he's watching the draft. And first pick, Orlando Magic select Chris Weber. Shaq breaks his brand new TV. <laughs> he was so mad. And then, you know, 10 minutes later, the trade happened between Penny and Chris. Gotcha. What a call by Shaq. All right, Paul. Swing your dick around. <clears throat> this is only a one-time Pro Bowl, but he is a Super Bowl champion, and he's also Rookie of the Year. That's not fair. And he's played with Brett Favre, Russell Wilson, and Shady McCoy. Jesus Christ. Holy cow. Brett Favre, Russ Wilson, and Shady McCoy. And a AP, AP, Rookie of the Year, Super Bowl Percy champion. Percy Harvin? Yes, sir. Hey. Well done. Played with Brett Favre, Minnesota. his rookie year at Minnesota. Russell Wilson, where he won his Super Bowl championship. And they were teammates in Buffalo with Shady McCoy. Oh, man. I love Percy Harvin, by the way. You're a... I know you do. I'm very, very big I saw him. I know I you I saw are. him in person at the Capital One Bowl the year that... Uh, Michigan and for Florida. Yeah, he was so legit in person, man. Percy had some of the most legit college team players. Oh my gosh! Like just watching, like him and Tebow together in that game from was, a quarterback who couldn't. I don't know how Michigan. I don't know how Michigan pulled that off, but it was like that was incredible. Was, was that 07? Yeah, it was that it final was, Lloyd Carr game, Juice. Yeah, that final game for Lloyd Carr. It was so good. With also final of our two freshmen starters who were seniors, Mike Henney and Chad Hart. Or Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that. um, No, that was that was that was one of the few one of the few times in my life where I was very happy for Michigan was Lloyd Carr being sent off with a win when nobody was giving y'all a chance in that game. Tebow winning the Heisman at eight and four. So that was kind of like pre-internet, complete internet explosion. And ESPN, they on the ticker on the bottom of the screen. No, you mean it was it was pre-Twitter. Games, on the <laughs> yeah. on the ticker at the bottom of the screen for all the games, like like to during bowl season, like leading up to the games, they had the game and like the time and place, and then they had like a uh, not a confidence thing, but like a poll basically. And I literally, I think it was literally like. 97% Florida, like 3% Michigan. Just something stupid. And then Urban Meyer said, lose to Michigan. Not again. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a crazy uh, game. That was a great game. That was in person. That was a very satisfying game. All right, AJ. <clears throat> Here we go. Time to get it wrong. <laughs> so, not confident. I'm not confident this, at all. Four-time Silver Slugger, seven-time All-Star and All-Star MVP, has played with Roger Clemens, Mark Teixeira, and Kerry Wood. Dang, you just threw me. Now, 
I have, I, I have a decent-sized hint for you that I'll give you in a few seconds if you don't get who, it. Who are the players at, before Kerry Wood? Roger Clemens, Mark Teixeira. Mark Teixeira, and Kerry Wood. It's a seven-time All-Star, All-Star MVP, four-time Silver Slugger. And we are two, one, at the halfway mark of your time. The big clue I'll give you is this is an absolutely forgotten superstar. Is he African-American? Yes, he is. (laughs) Clemens Teixeira. And Carrie Wood. Carrie Wood. Four-time Silver Slugger. Absolutely. Four-time Silver Slugger. Got ten seconds. I believe I have this gentleman's jersey. I don't think this is right. I, it's probably not, but my guess would be uh, Bernie Williams. No. <laughs> is it Michael Young? No, he's is, not. Is it Bernard. Alfonso Soriano? It is hey, Alfonso hey, Soriano. Did did he say African? Yeah, he did. Yes. Well, Ryan asked. Oh, I missed that. Son of I, I, I said it, that. and Matt confirmed it. Good shit, Ryan. Alfonso Soriano was a teammate with Roger Clemens in 01 in New York, Teixeira in 04 in Texas, and Kerry Wood for his time with Teixeira, though. Yes, but But did Michael Michael Young win the All-Star Game MVP? Paul, again, he was not (laughs) African-American. I don't care. He can be, he can identify. And he might not be a four-time Silver Slugger, a seven-time All-Star, and an All-Star Game MVP. Doggone, man. I tried to help you, AJ. You know, true. I figured that the big time, you know, was Bernie Williams ever a big time superstar? I know he's always been a great, but he's just kind of that consistent you know, great. Like Alfonso so, Soriano was like a stud when yeah, he first I, came out. Like, oh my God, Michael Young was a seven time All Star, probably not a four time Silver no, Slugger. No, he was though. a Silver Slugger four times. But man, yeah, I, I like was pulling names out of my hat in my head because I just could not. All right, Ryan, how the hell did you get that? Because I have an Alfonso Soriano Cubs jersey, and they used to play yeah. MLB The Show a lot. See, that was the Kerry Wood. The Kerry Wood clue was supposed to really help you, AJ, because Roger Clemens and Mark Teixeira, yeah, they're both Yankees at different times. Roger, you But know, I was... locked in, but my my strategy hurt me because I locked into the Yankees. Yeah. Like that's that, thinking, that's like, when Kerry the Kerry Wood. Wood was like, He's a Cub. That's all anyone like. That's Kerry Wood is a Cub. But, so uh, but Kerry like, Wood played other places too. I think. I think he he journeyed a little bit towards the end of his career. So that's where I was like, oh, shoot. But Ryan, nice him. fucking steal. Yeah, that was incredible. All right, and our final game of the night. Another new one to test out. One or the other, and we only have one topic for discussion it was the first one that came to my head when i thought of this and it was one or the other for how your championship franchise squad goes out would you rather them go out like the bulls dynasty where the team is just dismantled and it's over and you know it or would you rather them go out the way of the 80s celtics or the bad boys where their last championship was 1990 isaiah and Bill Lambeer both played till 94. Obviously, Isaiah got taken out with the Achilles, and that was it for his career. Mark Aguirre and Dennis Rodman went out in 93. That was their last year with the Pistons. John Sally left after the 92 year, 
And both Vinny Johnson and James Edwards last game was walking off the floor without shaking hands with the Bulls. So would you rather your team just get dismantled a la the, what, 03 Florida Marlins? No, the 97 Florida Marlins, right, AJ? That team. Uh, they actually did it both times. Both times, yeah. Where it's just over and you know it. Or would you rather them go out like the bad boys did, like the 80s Celtics did, where you just hung on to the philosophy for too long and, you know, like, much like our wings did as well. And Are we speaking, like, from a fan's perspective? Yeah, from a fan's perspective. Would you rather it just personal. be over? This is yeah, a personal. Or would you rather it have those few years of making the playoffs, making runs, but you, but it's not quite enough? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to go out on top. We're going to win, and then we're going to get rid of everybody, but there's nothing that you can say to me because when we were at our peak, we won the last time, and we were still the best team. And then that usually gives you a jump start on the rebuild. Didn't happen in the Bulls' case because of some bad decisions that they made. But <laughs> They've been rebuilding ever since 98. Right, you can always say, look, we, we won. We knew it was over. Now we're looking towards the future. As opposed to me as a fan going through the pain of watching the Pistons get dismantled by LeBron James in 07. And you're really kind of putting a, a nail in whatever post-Ben Wallace hope that you thought that they had. Uh, that's not something that I ever want to go through again. I'd rather they win a title and then say, all right, well, nobody's coming back. And you're like, okay. And then you can look toward the future. All right. This is not even close for me. It's You, you hang on as long as you can. But you got to do it intelligently. Like, don't point to bad franchises that hung on like idiots and didn't make the moves to actually get better. Look at franchises like the Spurs that were called old and dead for like a decade, yet they put it together and won a title in 14 and were in the mix all the time, even though people said they should have blown it up forever. It, it, it's not even – first of all, when you blow up your team after – you lose a massive identity. So a, a good – if you're not buying a title, your title's a crescendo. It's the ascension of everything that you've built. You've worked towards this for years. You've slowly gotten better, better, better. You've added pieces, whether through the draft, free agency, trade, whatever. You make your run. You finally get there. You hit the mountaintop. And then just tearing it all down and gutting it, like with that year or the year after, it, it's – you're – you're just ripping it off. It's like, okay, we had this and now we move on. And the, the, there's no emotion to it. There's no, how can you sit there and enjoy it if you're just like, all right, let's blow up the house that we just built and start building another one. It, enjoy the house that you built. And yes, d don't try to hang on forever with the exact same players. You have to change. You have to evolve. You still have to make prudent team building decisions. And just because most teams don't do that doesn't mean that it's not the correct path. But I, I don't see any enjoyment of, okay, we win a title, tear it down, and let's, let's try to rebuild this completely differently. There's no reason for that. Enjoy what you have. Let your hometown heroes be celebrated and try to build your next winner from that. And some of those players will leave, but you don't have to gut everything and blow it up just for the sake of doing it and then try to tank and repeat again it, it's nonsense to me there you don't get to enjoy your title the same it doesn't history shown it does not help you rebuild any better i mean there's countless teams that have stuck with it in one down the line compared to how many teams that have blown it all up and then never got back to it or it took a gazillion years to get back to it i don't even 
this is not a hard decision at all to me. You, you keep things going and you try to build. I mean, even the Wings to an extent. The Wings, yeah, they held on too long and they just kept trying to make the playoff streak forever, but that cup doesn't happen in 09 and they almost repeated if they had blown it up after their initial dynasty was over. And there's so many examples of that. There's there's no reason to just gut it. The, the Patriots, another example. Plenty of... Play, for how the Patriots had... I don't know, eight years between Super Bowl wins or something, they could have at any point said, you know what, uh, we keep getting close, but we're not there yet. Let's blow it up and start that's over. Why, that's why they just but kept they cheating did. their ass And then they won a couple more off. Super Bowls. All right, AJ? This is a uh, kind of a rock and a hard place for me, to be honest with you. Um, because, like, I know we, we've referenced the last dance a few times after, over the last couple of weeks, and... I just think about like what I would have been like being a Chicago Bulls fan with my GM coming out and saying our coach is gone and then the greatest player I've ever seen in my lifetime as a fan of that team saying if Phil's not here I'm not coming back. So like how do you enjoy that last championship in that sense? Well, but then on the flip side of that also Paul, like where your argument I think is extremely valid for like the fan aspect of it to kind of enjoy it for as long as you can and, and the work that it took to build to that point. But that also very much relies on um, a good and crafty GM, right? So you take like, and I know that they never got to the mountaintop, but you you look at what's happened to the Tigers over the last three years and that dismantling, even though they never reached the peak, okay, that is, I mean, it's a painful, painful process. And to do what the Spurs did, to do what the Patriots did, I think that that takes a lot of, like, crafty acumen. Uh, and it's really di- it's really difficult to do. Um, but if I were to, like, you know, gun to my head, have to pick one, I think i kind of side with Paul on this. Just because... I'd rather be in the mix and maybe not reach the pinnacle and enjoy that as a fan, even though I'm slightly disappointed, than not being able to enjoy a championship because I know that's the last time I'm ever going to see one of the greatest wear my team's jersey. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. So it, it's it's a rock and a hard place, but if I, w- I would definitely, I'd say try and stick it out. I mean... The Lakers are still in the mix, even when they're tearing it down a little mm. bit. <laughs> they just went through their worst six-year stint in like franchise history, though. I'm not talking about Reese. I'm talking about like back in the '80s when they had like their real dynasty. Well, yeah, I mean that well, at- that kind of got tore down for them at, after '91 because all of a sudden that's Magic I'm- can't play. <laughs> right, that's what I'm right, saying. So like, like that's, I mean, that's also the other thing too. When you think about like the Bulls or even the Lakers. Like, if your best player is being ripped away from you, it's a little bit different than the Tigers' you know, non-dynasty that maybe they should have had, where all the players are still there. They're just getting a little bit older and older and older. But, like, right. when but MJ that's retires, the thing with the Tigers Magic too. is HIV, it's like, well, we know we're not going to win anything. Right. But the Tigers for so long, I mean, you could say from, I mean, starting in 06, 06 to 10, there was kind of like sniffing because you you had game one sixty three in that time and all that stuff. Oh, that game's um, so annoying. But then, like from like two thousand eleven on until two thousand sixteen, for about five years, you know, you Detroit was still in the mix, and that was a fun five years of baseball. 
I mean, we had a fun decade. Of we did. Ball. That's all. I mean, I you know, from 2006 to 2016, it was a fun decade. You know, it, you can't call it a dynasty because they didn't win a championship. They didn't win it. But, yeah. but, like no, they were they were the was... they were the Buffalo Bills of the of the um, early nineties. And they made but there was a there was a few missteps. There were a few way, missteps. But... Like I think signing Prince Fielder was a huge misstep. But well, so well. Prince Fielder we decided not to play in the postseason to... is a huge misstep. He was fine but in the regular so the season. Is, so generally, that would be regarded as an awful contract. But we got someone very much worth getting in Ian. Kinsler I would agree with you. In 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 the most insane trade I've ever seen in my life. I lifetime. would agree with you, but that was so strictly that makes the signing worth it. To well, me. yes, but still having to pay him even after making that trade, it you know what I'm saying, like. A huge, huge Ian misstep. Was so good, Ian was so good. Like I would, I would like, much rather, you know. And that was like kind of a perfect storm of a situation where you have two guys who are very disgruntled with the franchises that they're with, ready to move on, um, but also with contracts that were very difficult to move. So the Tigers and and Rangers were like kind of perfect trade partners at that point, and. And that's what I'm saying, like, we for as, as crafty, <laughs> yeah, but as crafty as, as Double D was, like, there was still some, and, you know, I think a lot of that was even higher directed from Mr. Illich, some missteps along the way, right? Like, like an extension for Victor Martinez, which hindered our ability to, to continue to compete, uh, signing Justin Upton, like, all those things at the back end when you haven't reached the pinnacle... Like has now created that stuff. That stuff was when it was over. But it, but I mean, Upton was signed in fourteen. I yeah, think. I'm but, pretty sure. No, didn't that, matter. That to, to me, was that, to me, it felt over after thirteen. It did. I mean, like, it was it was over was like, after thirteen because Leland was forced into retirement, allegedly yeah. forced into retirement, and then you hire Brad Osmus, and yeah. you know it it was over. Terrible. It was over the moment they snuck into the playoffs. Regardless of what happened in their series against Baltimore, which was a disaster to begin with, it was over at that point. Yeah. Fifteen, they sniffed the playoffs again. Um, you know, lose one game, lose by one game. I think it was they miss them by like one game, and then sixteen, blow it up, man. JV gone, JD Martinez gone. So I still got Zimmerman. <sighs> They're 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 both extremely painful scenarios, but I think I would rather enjoy it for as long as I can, than knowing it's like it's like that that question right? If you were able to know the day you were going to die, would you want to know that information? Because I wouldn't, right? Same. So it's the same thing with your dynasty. If you know your dynasty is over after this year, can you really truly enjoy it? See, for for me, and I've had examples, you know, uh, mostly examples of teams hanging on for too long. But something that comes along with the hanging on for too long are the great memories along the way that you just don't get when a team just blows it up. For example, right. the year the Pistons didn't shake hands with the Bulls and got swept. You know who they beat to get to the Eastern Conference Finals that year in 91? The Boston Celtics. You know how yeah. good it is as a Pistons fan feeling when you watch them beat Larry Bird and Kevin McHale in them, because it only happened a couple times. And so I still got that joy on the way to that heartbreak. 
I still got the joy of the Pistons making Eastern Conference Final after Eastern Conference Final after Eastern Conference Final from 2003 on to 2008. And yes, the formula wasn't right to get back to the mountaintop itself again. But that compared to my Lakers after getting, you know, embarrassed by the Pistons and Shaq's gone, Carl's gone, Gary's gone, it's Derek's gone, it's Kobe and who? And now I got Kobe and who for 05, 06, 07. That's including oh who for the head coach. And then in 08, they basically said, well, hang on, this didn't work. We're going back Kobe to the drawing board ball, that man. worked for three out of four years in winning championships and bringing back Phil Jackson. And we got Kobe a good big in Pau Gasol. And we got him some help in Lamar Odom in the year before, I believe. And yeah. it was that sucked. Like, outside of Kobe willing that scrub-ass squad to within Game 7 of the Phoenix Suns' great squad, that's the only good memory I had from that three-year period of those Lakers teams was that one series. Oh, wait, sorry, and 81 points. But besides 81 <laughs> points, <laughs> it was that one series postseason-wise, the only games that matter, that was it. And they didn't even win it. They lost it in seven. But Kobe yep. drugged that scrub-ass squad. But with the Pistons and them hanging on for too long, the Wings and them hanging on for too long, having those victories and enjoyment pieces along the way that are memories, they stick out almost as much as the championships do. So I'll take them. I will take that over my team just being blown up yeah, and now I got to deal with bottom of the barrel for how many years. And then you, and then you like you just think about as a fan the ride that you're on during that season when your team is, you know, in that competitive mode, it's not torn down yet. Those are much more enjoyable years than when you know that they're the bottom of the barrel team. Yeah. Right? It, it's a lot harder, obviously. I mean, this is like Captain Obvious moment of the of the year, but like just enjoying the ride for as long as you can enjoy that ride. Um, I, that's what sports is all about, man. Yeah, Ryan, you on your own on this one. We all on yeah. the other. <laughs> uh, that's fine. One right person and and three wrong. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for game night. Uh, I'm going to call this a successful game night for the first run through for a few of these games. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, so with that, Ryan, do the thing. Yeah. So make sure that you're following us on all of our uh, social media platforms and everywhere that you can find us on the internet. Of course, Apple Podcasts and Podbean. Just type in Sports Carnage Podcast. Those are going to be the first ones to pop up for you. And then follow us on Facebook and Twitter as well, where you can find us at Sports Carnage. And make sure you're liking, subscribing, reviewing, and sharing um, all of the different content that we are bringing to you. Yeah, and send us ideas because I'm running out of these damn things. <laughs> for Ryan Griffin, AJ Riley, Paul Roshan, I'm Matt Bass, and we are Sports Carnage. Thank you all for spending a couple hours with us tonight. We'll be back with you all next week.